trust in Jesus, you are acknowledging in that moment, I cannot save myself. I need a savior. And that alone is an act of humility, especially in a world that says you got to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to fix that, then fix it, right? That's our culture. Our culture says you can fix anything that you need to fix, but you can't fix everything. You've probably been raised like most people. Keep your problems to yourself. Don't show weakness. And if you have an issue, just fix it. This is how culture demands you live and interact. But is it what the Bible says? Today, Pastor Daniel will be sharing Jesus' view of living a beautiful life by discussing humility and love. These two things create a mindset that says people can't fix everything on their own. But Jesus can through his abundant life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5 with part one of his message, The Beauty of Love. So one of the joys of being a parent, actually a three-time parent, is trying to get your kids out the door in the morning to go to school. No one enjoys getting the kids out the door in the morning for school. I, literally, Lynn and I, I mean, Obadiah's 12, and Maranatha's 9, and Annabelle's 4. And like, no matter what we do to try and work it out to make the morning easier, I'll just be honest with you, it's not easy. You know, because it's like, you, you know, get everybody with their backpacks, and everybody with their, with their lunches, and everybody like actually brushing their teeth before they leave the house. Like, it's hard, you know? So one of the things, every parent's like, yeah, all the kids are like, sorry, mom, you know? But what's amazing is, is when you get the kids in the car, then it can be really, really beautiful. So it's one of mine and Lynn's great joys is driving the kids to school. Because one of the things that I always do with the kids is we put on the armor of God together, and then we pray together. You know, and so literally our kids driving, you always put on the armor of God. If you guys all know it from Ephesians chapter six, and you put on the helmet of salvation, the, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and your feet shod with the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, you know, of course, my kids, they don't, they think there's a couple pieces missing. So we've added some pieces to the armor of God. I think God loves it. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, why, do, why don't they have a jet pack? So we have the jet pack of praise, you know. <laughs> of course, it's like, you know, what about a pocket? We need a pocket. And so there's the pocket of prayer. And of course, Obadiah is in middle school. So, you know, it's like you need a, an athletic supporter. You need the cup of protection, <laughs> you know, which listen, I think God's all for the cup of protection. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like he's a refuge, and strength, so it's all, it's all good, you know? And it's great, because like, this is something that we do. And now little Annabelle, who's four, like, she knows this, so she can like, lead us in it, and so it's really super cute. But then what we do is we pray, and, I, and just like, this must have happened a couple weeks ago. We're driving, and Annabelle's like, I want to pray. And so Annabelle starts praying, but nobody has a clue what Annabelle's talking about, because she's four, and she's still got like that chip monkey voice. Especially when she's talking to the Lord. And so she's like, going, you know, and Obadiah is sitting shotgun. I look at Obadiah. I'm like, oh, but I have no clue what she's saying right now. And Obadiah is like, 
Me neither. But the Lord knows and he loves it. And I was just like, yeah. You know, because it's funny because, you know, it's like sometimes as a parent, you're like, you know, what is she praying? What is she talking about? You know, but God knows and he loves. And so when Obadiah said that, made me first smile because I'm like, okay, so she's praying. I'm not going to complain about that. Obadiah gets the heart of God. That's a good thing. But then what I started thinking about was that beautiful verse about how unless you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And that moment watching my, well, I wasn't watching, I was watching the road, but I was listening and I, God didn't give me the gift of interpretation tongues. So I still don't have a clue what she was praying about, you know, but that awareness that like, she's talking to the father. I have no clue what she's saying. Obadiah Maranatha don't know what she's saying, but the Lord does. And he loves it. That became a beautiful moment for me of, well, what does it mean to enter God's kingdom? And today I want to share with you as we embark upon this series that we're calling the beautiful series is I want to share with you one of these passages that really show us what it means to be a little child and enter the kingdom because there's a quality of a young person, a really little person that as you get older, you become more complex. You become a little bit more self-aware which ends up creating dynamics relationally that keep us from experiencing all that God would have us experience. And so this series is going to be us taking the Beatitudes and lining them up with the fruit of the Spirit. So there's nine Beatitudes, there's nine fruit of the Spirit. And if you just look at them together, the first one, the first now someone, I've had a couple of you say, well, Pastor James, there's only eight Beatitudes and then there's an extra one. I'm like, yeah, eight plus one equals nine. You know, so, but it is, if you read the Beatitudes, it's like there's one extra one. And I was like, well, there's only eight. No, there's actually nine, but you know, it's like, it's written a little bit differently, but what I'm having everybody do, and I want to keep encouraging you, I want you to memorize the Beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit. I want you to memorize both of them, the Beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit. And so we're going to take the first one today. So in order to get at this, we're looking at Matthew chapter five, verse three, Lining up with Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. And it says this. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the fruit of the spirit is love. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the fruit of the spirit is love. So I want you to be memorizing that in each Subsequent measure, we're going to take the next beatitude with the next fruit of the Spirit so that you memorize them. And I want to be able to break this open for you. Now, notice, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I want to say it this way, that humility is the way of beauty. Humility is the way of beauty. Now, I think what's fascinating about Jesus and about this text is only Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like that word blessed means, oh, how happy or how fortunate. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message says, oh, how lucky is the poor in spirit. Now, we all agree that nobody talks like that today. Like only Jesus would say that. Now, what's interesting about this is this is one of the reasons I believe that contemporary Western society has issues with Jesus. Because Jesus says the blessed person, the person whose life is beautiful, is the person who 
is poor in spirit. Now, why this is challenging is because somebody who is poor in spirit acknowledges their spiritual bankruptcy. To put it like just right out on the table, like what is poverty of spirit? It's our ability to acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy. See, poverty of spirit is the opposite of pride, self-reliance, any sort of self-promotion or self-aggrandizement. All of that is the opposite of what Jesus says is the blessed life. And that's very, very challenging for us because we live in a culture that is steeped on self-reliance, self-esteem, self-promotion. And Jesus shows up and he runs roughshod right over it. Now, remember, we're calling this series beautiful because something that is beautiful is something that is pleasing, right? And the idea of beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Everybody has their own ideas about what is beautiful. And God, being a person, God has his own ideas about what is beautiful. And what God sees as beautiful is somebody who is poor in spirit. Somebody who is able to say, I bring nothing to my relationship with God except my own brokenness and sinfulness. All I bring to this relationship is bad. And what God does is he meets my poverty with his riches, and that's really good. Now, can we be honest? Isn't that totally depressing for me to say that to all of you? It's funny, I was thinking about this, I'm like, this message is so depressing. Because what I'm saying is that the only way to live a beautiful life in the eyes of God is to come and say, God, I am a total train wreck. And our culture hates saying that. I mean, listen, everybody posts on social media, except for the people who want attention. The people who want attention, like, nobody likes me. I have no friends. If you're really my friend, comment. (laughs) And then all your friends, who really aren't your friends, but they're your friends, they're like, they feel obligated now, like, I love you, I'm here for you. So for the few of you who are attention seekers, that's how you use social media. The rest of people, right, everyone puts their best foot forward, right? You only post the best pictures of you. And like, no one puts the picture of you up without coffee in the morning. You take pictures of your coffee, not you before the coffee. You know what I'm saying? It's like, my coffee is wonderful, but don't look at me before I drink it because I'm angry, you know? And so we live in a culture and then like we have our resumes, we're, we're all like, you know, we're fluffing out our resumes and everyone's trying to make themselves look better. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he's like, yeah, you guess what? All that, none of it's real. None of it's beautiful. This is not the life you're supposed to live. And it runs smack dab, head on collision into our culture. But Jesus is saying, this is what's beautiful to God. Now listen to Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this about porn spirit. He says, it means a complete absence of pride. A complete absence of self-assurance and self-reliance. It means a consciousness that we are nothing apart from the presence of God. 
And for each one of us, what you learn is that humility is the way of beauty. C.S. Lewis said it this way, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. See, humility is allowing the true and living God to divorce each one of us with our complete and total obsession with ourselves. Do you ever talk to someone who's super complicated? What makes them complicated? The fact that you're constantly navigating all their feelings about themselves. And it's hard because you're kind of like, it's like playing chess, but you don't understand what the pieces do. But the thing is, is being complicated is the exact antithesis of being poor in spirit. Because a person who's poor in spirit, it's not about them. It's not about them. And Jesus says, that's when your life is blessed. Now, there's a number of scriptures that I can put into this. But I got two scriptures from the prophet Isaiah, which tell us some very important things about this idea of humility being the way of beauty. First, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15 says this. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Now, do you notice the unique juxtaposition in this verse? There's the high and lofty one, the high and lifted up one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. He's like, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who is humble and contrite. So you have the idea of When God is everything, when God is big, when God is majestic, then the person is small and the high and holy God wants to dwell with the broken and the contrite, not to keep them broken and contrite, but to revive them in their humility and revive them in their contrition. And so what you have is that for a person who is poor in spirit, now all of a sudden they come to God like John the Baptist who said he must increase and I must decrease when we decrease we come to him who is increased and he's like now I'm going to revive you from there so humility leads us into the potential of the life that is truly beautiful in the eyes of God so that God can bring revival on the personal level to our lives. Now, another verse, Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord, But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So you get God saying, look, I made everything. I did everything. What are you going to make me? I'm going to dwell with the person who is poor and contrite, who trembles at my word. You see how humility becomes the way of beauty now? Because each one of us has to be okay being where we are as God says that we are. It's okay for us to acknowledge that we are what God says that we are, which is that we are broken and flawed. That we don't get everything right. But isn't that the hardest thing to do? 
It's the hardest thing to be like, I screwed that up. And you know why? Because our culture does not value poverty of spirit. So all of us, and that means the oldest of us to the youngest of us, all of us has been nurtured in an environment that says, don't ever let anybody know that you failed. If you fail, blame the other person. Tell them why you, they think it's a failure, but it's not a failure. Fight tooth and nail so you never have to own the fact that you're messed up. And because we've been nurtured in that, now all of a sudden Jesus shows up and Jesus says, oh, how happy is the spiritually bankrupt. See, what you realize is that poverty of the spirit is a positive spiritual orientation because it is the converse of arrogance and confidence. So the question becomes is, where is your confidence? Where is your confidence? Is it in the Lord or is it in yourself? And right there, that's where poverty of spirit comes into play. Now, what's beautiful about this idea of poverty of spirit is that it's available to all of us. Like, here's the thing. For the person in this room who is the oldest, you actually have the most data to support the fact that you're messed up. Like, how cool is that? Like, the person who's been in Christ the longest, you have the most data to show you that you are spiritually bankrupt. Because you know what the thing is? If you're honest about your life, no matter who we are, all of us on our best day is still completely jacked up. Now, listen, listen, we come to Jesus, and when you come to Jesus, you're messed up in all these ways, and Lord willing, you're not still doing the same things you did when you came to Jesus. Like, I remember when I came to know Christ, like, I was struggling with drugs and fornication and uncleanness, and I was really, 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 really obnoxious. You're like, you're still working on that, Fusco. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like, you have all these things that you're working on, and it's all real. Now, praise God now, I'm not doing drugs, and I'm not doing anything with anybody other than my wife, you know, and all these things. And, and all these things get clean, but I still have other things to work on, right? But the thing is, is the reality that you still have something to work on, that reminds you that, listen, I'm still a learner. I'm still on the first step. Does that make sense? But the question is, when was the last time? See, because we're all really good at diagnosing everybody else's problems, and we do a really lousy job at looking at ourselves, right? How many of you know exactly how to fix the people in your life? Go ahead, everyone raise your hand. I know it's true. Everyone's like, I know how to fix them. I know what they need. But it's so hard because poverty of spirit is not, I know how to fix everybody. Poverty of spirit is, I need Jesus to fix me. And when we are willing not to want to be right, but to walk in what is right, now all of a sudden we begin to say, Lord, I need you. Poverty of spirit. Humility is... The way to a life that God sees is pleasing and beautiful. Why? Because blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I could say it this way. Humility gives you access to Jesus. See, without humility, you actually have no access to Jesus. Now remember, what we're saying here is not that you need... Like I'm not saying you all need to become humble. I'm saying that if you're in Christ... Your identity in Christ, you are already humble. 
You are already poor in spirit by the very nature that you said yes to Jesus in the first place. Because when somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus, you are acknowledging in that moment, I cannot save myself, I need a savior. And that alone is an act of humility. Especially in a world that says, you got to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to fix that? Then fix it. Right? That's our culture. Our culture says, you can fix anything that you need to fix, but you can't fix everything. There's certain things that you realize, I need Jesus to fix that. See, that simple act of saying, I can't save myself, is huge. You know, it's funny. Like, I didn't grow up in the church, and and I grew up in New Jersey, and so all of my friends are those, like, classic, like, Northeast people, which means no one has a problem telling you what they think especially if they think it's going to rub you the wrong way, they especially tell it to you. That's kind of the environment that I was raised in. So like, I'm used to hearing things. And I remember, I'll never forget, this happens pretty regularly. Someone will come and they'll say, man, Daniel, I can't believe you're a Christian. I mean, like, you're kind of a decently intelligent person. You got gifts and talents. I mean, why would you need a crutch like Jesus? Right? Some of you are thinking that right now. You're here, you're not a believer. You're like, man, why would I ever want a crutch like Jesus? And I always answer it the same way. When you have a broken leg... You're grateful for the crutch. Because when you have a broken leg, you can't put weight on that leg and it be healthy. So you're grateful for the crutch. I'm like, but I don't just need a crutch. Jesus isn't just a crutch. He's my wheelchair. He's my gurney. He is my emergency room triage unit. I don't just have a broken leg. I got a broken life. I got all sorts of problems. And the longer and farther down the journey with Jesus they get, the more I am aware of how messed up I really am. See, what I'm realizing every day is that I need Jesus more now than on the day that I got saved because of the light of his spirit. I realize there's all sorts of other stuff in there. See, that's why I've been walking with Jesus for a while. The people who really walk with Jesus, not walk in religion, but walk with Jesus, they're the most humble people. Because the longer you walk with Jesus, he keeps peeling back those, the onion layers of the heart. You know what I mean? It's like, first layer is like, man, you're all messed up. You need to get saved. Like, I get saved. Lord, I'm giving you my life. And then the next thing, it's like, well, yeah, you're really judgmental. Oh, well, you know, you realize you really don't love anybody. Oh, you know, and each step of the way, the next layer gets pulled back. The next layer gets pulled back. The next layer gets pulled back. And finally, you just say, Lord, on my best day, I am radically in need. I'm radically in need. Now, what's amazing is, is Jesus speaks about all this stuff, too. So I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. This is one of those verses that I realize that I'm here, I'm talking at Crossroads. We have all of our campuses and people online and TV and everywhere. So I realize that a lot of us are already followers of Jesus. But the problem for many of us who are followers of Jesus is that we are falling into the very trap that the Pharisees in Jesus' day fell into. We know the word. We like the word. We're seeking to follow the word. But in our knowing the word, liking the word, seeking to follow the word, we've actually, we're missing the heart of God. Jesus is real. While learning about Jesus' way of doing life and doing your best to emulate it, you can fall into the same trap the legalists of his day did, becoming too self-righteous. Pastor Daniel today encouraged you to adopt instead a spirit of humility where you realize and live in a space that says Jesus is your only hope. You have faults, everyone does, but Jesus is working to create a new you without your help. 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that the fruit of humility is love. From your awareness of your need for Jesus, you'll begin to see all the sins that keep you from Him. You realize that you're working on becoming more like your Savior, and as you do, you can genuinely love the people around you. Your willingness to put them before yourself is the same thing that motivated Christ to come die for your sins. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Beautiful. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.